Marcus Rogers recently did a video where he completely dismantled the Trinity, but not in a way you may think. What we're going to do, we're going to respond, put our thinking caps on. We want to be good Bereans. Let's talk about it on the other side here at All Things Theology. All Things Theology, All Things Theology, we chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta get that theology to God, hallowed because this is how we do it at All Things Theology. Yo, grace and peace, and welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology, where this is your host, K-Dub, and today we're going to be responding to Marcus Rogers and his Trinitarian, anti-Trinitarian views. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. Not, not another, not another, no, 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 no. not another Marcus Rogers video, right? Well, again, as I've said in majority of these videos, I believe they serve as good teachable moments. And as well as defending my views when the doctrine of the Trinity, which I love the doctrine, is uh, attacked or critiqued. I do believe I have the ability and could argue the responsibility to uh, defend this doctrine. And so I want to do that. I know some people will just say you're obsessed with Marcus Rogers, right? You're just you're just doing this for clicks and views. But when he attacks the doctrine and calls out people like Alan Rock, uh, uh, like Alan Parr, you know, uh, that that's totally acceptable, right? Uh, I just want to see a little consistency. You know what? If that is you, I have something for you. Let, let me pull out my bag right here. How about this for you? If I make you feel some type of way You know, you can just unfollow, right? <laughs> I don't beg for subscribers. But you know, anyway, let's let's get into this video because I there were some bizarre things said in this. Let's let's start off with this. One thing I noticed, right? I'll give you a real easy one. I'm, I'm going to share the screen. I want you guys to see this, all right? Um, this is one thing that a lot of people give me flack for. So this is right here, the Catholic, uh, you know, a Catholic Trinity statue. And it looks like there's like, you know, three. <laughs> Sorry about that. But let's start off with the first thing. Marcus Rogers isn't dealing with Catholics when he talks about the Trinity. That's one. Right. He's dealing with Protestants. Uh, that's the that's usually. But anyways, this stat, this statue here, this picture has absolutely nothing to do with the doctrine of the Trinity. And it's absurd that he's actually re trying to go to some image he found on Google <laughs> as if this has anything to do with the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, look, watch him explain this and watch how bizarre it is. Jesus is there. And on the bottom i don't know if those are angels are they supposed to be a baby so anyways so it's supposed to be like there's three i wish i could zoom in here for you this is supposed to be i guess three pictures of jesus and that's supposed to be something to do with the doctrine of the trinity and and you got some babies on the ground but beneath him uh, this this is bizarre this is absolutely bizarre has nothing to do with the doctrine of the trinity but marcus rogers is using it as a proof to defeat how to defeat the trinity let me be fair um <laughs> what does catholics have to do with this what does this picture have to do with the doctrine of the trinity again the doctrine of the trinity is that there are three co-equal uh distinct persons of the godhead right yeah the father son spirit right they are all god yet they are not the same person i mean i feel like a broken record you know uh, sometimes it just makes me ask marcus rogers wait a minute who are you boy ain't no way boy 
Boy, ain't no way, boy. Boy, ain't no way we're using some image on Google that has nothing to do with the subject, right? I mean, that's like me using some three-headed monster uh, to to argue against modalism. I mean, modalists aren't arguing that, um, but it would be silly, just as silly as this picture here. You know, when I grew up, anything I knew about Trinity or hearing that word, that was like, you know, some Catholic stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like it came from the the Catholic church, or at least, you know, that's all I had heard of it. So I didn't know about, you know, other than Baptists, like all these different denominational backgrounds and stuff. And so here's the point. When I've talked to different people, uh, different there, you know, there are different types of Trinitarians. Not even all of them agree on this. And not one of them has used this as a proof text for the Trinity. I look, I have talked to a lot of Trinitarians in my life, right? I, being Trinitarian, have talked to a lot of Trinitarians, have never seen them use this image, the three person Jesus as proof of Trinity with babies on the ground. I mean, again, like this is what you call this isn't even low hanging fruit. This is daggone dead rotten tomatoes this man is picking up and throwing at people. Now, to me, when I look at this, I understand I believe in the Godhead, right? I don't subscribe to words that are not in the Bible because I feel like <laughs> he says he doesn't describe to words uh, not 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 defined, not using the Bible. Well, <laughs> I guess you throw out the Bible. Uh, Marcus Rogers constantly is using words not in the Bible. Gummy bear Christianity. That's not in the Bible. There's no gummy bears in the Bible. There's, you can't look to the book of gummy bear or book of matthew finding gummy bears in it uh constantly using words not found in the bible you know the bigger question is not is the word found in the bible but is the concept you're deriving biblical again yes we have further developed along language that points out what this is talking about you're going to deny god being uh omniscient there's not there's no omnis. And let's be honest, none of the words were in English. So at some point, there's going to be conceptual language we have to uh, use to uh, describe uh, non-English words. And so I, I, I never got this argument that people use or show me the word in the Bible. Show me the word in the Bible. Bible. <laughs> Bible's not in the Bible. It's like so you're going to throw out all the Bible because of this uh, anti-intellectual argument you have derived that's just quite asinine and silly you know so people are not even in agreement on these words right so i've talked to so many different trinitarians and they don't even agree on the godhead they don't even agree on what we're going to see when we get to heaven are we going to let me let me just say this there is a lot more agreement with trinitarians than with other views of the godhead of uh, uh, modalists for example ask a modalist is jesus god well depends on the modalist right but none of the Trinitarians deny on uh, the persons being God, right? Um, so there's a lot more agreement. So so if he wants to use, well, the Trinitarians don't agree on every little jot and tittle of their definition. Well, neither do the modalists, neither do the people in your church, Marcus. So all these all the arguments we've heard so far are very superficial. And and if you use them back on them, they refute him. So, again, I don't know why he's using this argument, you know, so. What, what, do you, what do you do? You know, sometimes you just have to play. You play this. Jingle bells, jingle bells. I'm not going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Three, are we going to see two? Or are we going to see one? So if I can't even get people to agree on what this word means or what it represents, or there's division with that, I just like to stick with what the Bible says 
and it, you know the godhead that's yes but what about the godhead we disagree on what that means so the issue again the issue isn't are we using just solely biblical language people 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 disagree about that so if the issue is well we have to use biblical language because that's the only thing we can agree on well that's not true people disagree on what justification means people disagree on what um the only god means so again um mormons <laughs> the uh, a resurrection means something completely different to them than it means to me right uh, or or glorification things like this so again i don't have any problem using biblical language but we have to define what we mean when we use biblical language and yeah there's disagreement there I like to stick it. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that you know Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. I believe you know um, God is Spirit, right? I pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Uh, that the Holy Spirit is just God's Spirit in us. Yeah, and so the Spirit from Marcus Rogers is not a, not a distinct person. And when I say person, uh, not a human person, which Marcus Rogers uh thinks but uh, for marcus rogers the spirit is not a uh, conscious person of his own the spirit does not think himself it is just the father's uh kind of spirit like you have a like you have a spirit of your own right um that's how the uh, holy spirit is to the father and i completely reject that i mean you can grieve the holy spirit the holy spirit speaks the holy spirit uh um, yes, yeah, grieved. He, he he communicates. He he indwells. Not it's not just the Father Spirit. It is distinct from the from the Father in such a way that the Spirit Himself can be called God Yahweh. And so you know, there's fundamental dis disagreements where where we can't just push them aside. Well, you know, because he wants to say, well, I, I, hey, I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Spirit. Yeah, everybody who reads the Bible believes in those things. The issue is, what do you believe about? Uh, those persons mentioned. And so that's where we get the disagreement. And that's where um, Marcus Rogers really gets into some heretical views of who God is. So let's let's continue. Right. That's what I believe. And so, you know, this right here is a perfect example of why, you know, when I've talked to different people, I'm <laughs> like, man, you know, you guys are not on the same page. This this picture is supposed to be a perfect example of all the disagreement with Trinitarians. I don't even know what he got this. I kind of want to Google Trinity and see if this comes up. But this is this is silly. I can Google some image on modalism and Marcus Rogers wouldn't agree with it. What does that have to do with anything about this discussion? And it's not really a heaven or hell issue. Some Trinitarians believe when you get to heaven, you're going to see some form of three. Some believe you're going to see uh, the father on the throne and, you know, Jesus at his right hand. Some people, uh, even Trinitarians, believe you're just going to see Jesus on the throne. But this is not irrelevant to what the Trinity is, because all that is future aspects of what we will see in heaven which the bible is not very um you know um explicit on what is actually happening in heaven um now don't get me wrong we're going to be worshiping god no more sin so there is i'm not saying there isn't anything known about heaven but the bible just doesn't go into long detail about heaven and all these things um i mean i do have a view on what, what we're going to see but that's beside the point that is not definitional to what the Trinity is. So again, Marcus Rogers always uses this argument, but it actually uh, deflects from the real issue. Uh, and that's the difference between Trinitarianism and modalism.
a heaven or hell issue regardless. But because people, you know, are so divided and everybody, like I said, I've been talking about this stuff for years. To me personally, the, the Catholic version, that looks like you're saying with, there's three gods. Let me actually be fair to Catholics because I, I, I've, I've done apologetic work to Catholics. I don't know any Catholic who would agree with the three Jesuses in human bodily form being some kind of representative of uh, the Trinity. Now, don't get me wrong. Catholics have some pagan nonsense going on where Mary is sometimes, many times, elevated to the status of God. Now, again, but the issue is of the view of the Trinity. That's not it. I, I've never, again, I've talked to a lot of Catholics. I've never heard them say, yeah, you know, the Trinity is, you know, Father, Son, Spirit, but it's bodily. They look the same. They're, they're you know, <laughs> you know, they're uh, triplets. Uh, I mean, that's, I, I don't, I, I don't know where, I don't know where he got this image. I, I, Again, this is supposed to communicate nothing to me as a Trinitarian or and if I was even a Catholic, I would be like, what are you talking about, dude? This is silly. That doesn't look like one to me. Right. We're made in the image of God. I have a. a so notice even even now you can tell a lot about what Marcus believes because um, about what he tries to refute. Uh, but watch this. And and if hold on, because I got to show you guys something because um, someone recently told me. Marcus Rogers believes in the Trinity. You, you, you know, have you have you seen people going around the saying that? Watch this. So look at this. This was a YouTube comment I got not too long ago. And this person was saying Marcus is a Trinitarian. Now, what we're about to hear is absolutely a denial of the Trinity here played by Marcus Rogers in a second. But notice he is actually he, he does not like the three distinct persons, although the image he showed is not what we mean by persons. We don't mean three distinct human beings. Uh, again, he's had this explained to him. He refuses to uh, take into account. But watch what he says, because he's like, that doesn't look like one. And what he means is one person. Watch this example right here. God, I have a, a, a flesh. I have a soul. I have a spirit. Right. But these three are one now there's a distinction between my flesh between my soul between my spirit right but they're still one right the same way with adam adam and eve were one but eve came out of adam's side right the bible says that jesus was in the bosom of the father now the two analogies actually contradicted him itself but we'll talk about that in a second but notice the first analogy is a classic modalist example and this is why i think people are confused because the examples he gives sometimes contradicts themselves. Uh, notice the first example. He is one person, but he is made up of, you know, in the analogy, three components, flesh, soul, spirit. Although I'm a bichotomist, not a trichotomist conversation for another day. His example is only one person. But in his second example, there are two persons, the one that comes from the other. So, again, that's even confusing because you have one preceding the other. I would uh, from a from a temporal standpoint, that's problematic when you get into uh, the Godhead, uh, because scripture says that the father, son, the spirit, they're they're eternal. So, again, contradictory analogies. Uh, so but even in the Adam, Eve, Adam and Adam, Eve came from Adam. Now, you know, there's two persons again that the, it's so much confusion. It's like there's no coherent, cohesive, intelligible. Again, I don't mean that to insult uh, you know, thinking issues, but I'm um, just to say that it's not coherent. It's, it's, it's contradictory. And so 
hopefully that was helpful. But we're going to move on because this is the classic. This is the classic, you know, the uh, doctrine of the Godhead Trinity. It's not a heaven or hell issue. As long as you just believe in Jesus. I mean, whoever that's whoever that supposed to be, as long as you believe in the name, you know, five letter word, Jesus can't define it. Don't define it. But just say you believe it kind of argumentation going on here. Uh, now, here's here's where I challenge people when they bring the division. There is no Bible that says you're going to hell if you don't uh, subscribe to oneness or Trinity. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. And people hate when I say that because they're religious and they don't want to admit that they're religious. Why are they religious? Because this is what you were taught your whole life. And so it's like, well, you know, my pastor wasn't wrong. My family wasn't wrong. So people are just loyal to these words that are nowhere to be found in the Bible. Nowhere do you see Jesus or uh, Paul or any disciples talking about oneness or Trinity or Baptist or Lutheran or Pentecostal. You know what I'm saying? Like these are words that men made to describe what is in the Bible. So for me personally, right, I just stay away from these words. They also did not talk about gummy bear Christianity, but Marcus Rogers places a huge emphasis on that. You see, you see how there's no consistency here. Again, if he can, he can go into scripture and show the concept of gummy bear Christianity. Okay, fine. That's biblical. Um, the, the doctrine of the Trinity is essential because once you deny it, you're left with other heresies like Marcus Rogers. Uh, let me show you why the gospel is, or sorry, the Trinity is essential because the gospel is Trinitarian. The father devised the plan. He is the head of all things, so to speak. The son went to go and accomplish this, uh, plan. The spirit applies the plan. To the believers and so the gospel trinitarian so once you actually break down the trinity you have other heresies that arise for instance modalism classic modalism denies the eternality of the son because the son uh puts on the son hat which is the father just the father's name by the again it's so confusing the son comes into existence at the moment of the incarnation and so Maybe you want to go the Arian route. Well, the Arianism denies the deity of Christ. And so once you deny the Trinity, you have to come up with concepts that are not biblical at all. And so, yeah, this is why the Trinity is essential, because once you deny it, you're left in a heretical position. But notice, I want you guys to hear this lie. Uh, a lot of times on the Internet, you know, some people come to my church. or I see comments. They're like, Marcus Rogers doesn't even believe that Jesus is God. It's not true. Right. And that's why I make videos like this. I've always believed that Jesus is God. Now, let me just say this. He may affirm it now, but that has not always been his position. Marcus at one point stated that Jesus is not fully God. OK, he, he and here's my point. My point is not to hound him down and say he's a liar, liar, liar right here. There's going to be another point when I'm saying he's lying on. My point is. He's being dishonest by saying that he's always affirmed the deity of Christ. So I guess in some sense I am saying he's lying. But again, you're you're able to change your theological position. That's that, that that's not the point I'm, I'm saying. The point is he has at one point stated uh, Jesus is not God. Question, you know, that people talk about. I was having a conversation with somebody about this very topic. I said, OK, well, you know, before the word became flesh, you know, in the beginning, you know, what what do you think was there? What do you think we're going to see? Right. The word became flesh. The Bible says Jesus was in the bosom of the father. Right. And so I've heard some Trinitarians say that 
Jesus was like a, a thought in God's heart. He was always there. Right? Now, that's what I'm calling a lie. That is an outright lie. If you are a Trinitarian espousing uh, Jesus was some thought in the father's mind, you're not Trinitarian. And I have never again, I've read I've read numerous books on the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. I've listened to debates on the Trinity. I have never, ever, ever heard any Trinitarian say Jesus is a thought in the father's mind. And so, Marcus, who said that? Which Trinitarian said Jesus is a thought in the father's mind? Some bozo on the Internet. OK, maybe, <laughs> but maybe they weren't a Trinitarian. And so, no, that is not a Trinitarian uh, belief. And so let's let's hear them finish this up because the lamb was slain before the foundation where he always existed. But I've heard different people from oneness. Oh, let me, and let me say this. If if you are a thought in the father mind, you don't actually have existence. We all were in the father's mind. Right. He, he from his decree and his plan, he devised a plan. That doesn't make you eternal. So if Jesus, if the only way he existed was a thought in the father's mind, he, he's not eternal. You can't have it both ways. Marcus, well, he's eternal. He just was a thought, well, eternal thought. Well, that doesn't make you eternal. You don't actually have existence, ontological existence yet. Different people from oneness, Trinitarian camps say different things. And that's my point. Everybody's not on the same page. And so when you start having- Marcus. You're not on the same page with yourself. Having these conversations with people, you'll find out, hey, Marcus Rogers really isn't that crazy because <laughs> what he's saying, he does have a point. We're not all on the same page about this. And what he's saying, he has a point because it's really not a heaven or hell issue. And you can't show no Bible that makes it a heaven or hell issue. So, No, you don't have a point. You're just out of life. Out of life. No, again, go watch the debate. It's a four-hour debate. It's a long debate, but it's very well, well worth it. Uh, Stephen Bancart's debate with Marcus Rogers, because one of the things he does is show how unbiblical Marcus Rogers is. And let me just say this. Marcus Rogers has changed a lot in his theology from that debate. Um, but he does demonstrate why the Trinity is essential and a necessary component. He expounds on some of the things I'm saying here, which, again, I'm trying to be brief here. But let's go to another uh, uh, video, another clip here we got. Uh, the second thing is once saved, always saved. I don't, I don't believe in once saved, always saved. Sorry. Uh, still applies. Uh, so, um, what, so in this video, he talked about like why people think he's a false teacher. And he brings up, uh, so first part was the Trinity. This part being uh, once saved, always saved. Uh, the second thing is once saved, always saved. I don't believe in once saved, always saved. I believe that, you know, the Bible says that your name can be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Um, the Bible says that. Um, Which is a King James version and does not mean that you were written down in the by in, in the in this book of life for salvation. And then God has an eraser in heaven and he's scratching your name out. That's not what that verse means. You know that you have he who endures to the end shall be saved now people say you preach marcus preaches the works let me deal with the he shall endure to the end so that is the description of the saved people it's not what what this verse is not teaching is because if you actually hold them consistent to that verse you're not you can't lose your salvation if you have to endure to get it so he's actually not being consistent with his own with with his own application of that verse but rather, the means of the uh, uh, the elect of the Christian 
endures. Let me just say this. Christians who desire the things of God don't fall away. Not not in an apostasy sense, not in a final apostasy. They have, they have made driftings, right? Sheep, yeah, we, we, we drift, right? But they don't fall away. They don't become, sheeps don't become goats in, in another word is what I'm saying. And so let's hear him continue. And as a matter of fact, let me actually bring a, 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 a biblical argument. Uh, I'm not going to bring the verse up, but John 10, one of the strongest arguments for uh, eternal security. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That is the nature of the sheep. They follow Jesus, right? That is our heart's desires, all right? And notice Jesus goes on to say in this verse that uh, no one no one can pluck them from his hands. No one can snatch them from the Father's hands, right? We are safe and secured in the Father's hands. Another good verse is Romans 8. Um, in Romans 8, it, you can really start at verse 28, but it says those who are called according to the purpose for those who foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called those whom he called. He also justified and those whom he justified. He also glorified. So notice and if you look at it, the glorification is actually in the past tense because it is such a sure thing that God is going to do. Look, if he has justified you, he will glorify you. And it's so it's in the past tense because it's so sure of a thing. Um, even going down from that chapter, uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And, and the, the point going down to the end of the chapter is the Apostle Paul makes the conclusion. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Not you, not your mama, not your grandma, right? Nobody, in the words of Keith Sweat, <laughs> the great theologian. But let's keep going. Salvation. I don't preach a work-based salvation. but Yes, you do. You, yes, you do. You, you, matter of fact, you actually claim uh, men have to get baptized to be saved. You claim men must speak in tongues to be saved. This is why you, you labeled Alan Parr a false teacher because he doesn't, doesn't agree with that. Bible does say faith without works is dead. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says to put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says he that endures to the end shall be saved Run the race that's set before you. And then he goes on to argue why he believes you must do works to be saved. I mean, I'm, I, does, does he hear himself speak? So is taking up your cross work? Yes, it is. Is putting on armor work? Yes. Right. Is fasting work? Yes. So to me. And for Marcus, you must do those things to be saved. What I teach, right? I say you got to be holy. You got to live right. Now, if you make a mistake, that's different than living a lifestyle of rebellion. And so I don't see how that's a dangerous, false teaching. Marcus Rogers, you better watch out. He's teaching something dangerous because what am I teaching? Like telling people to be more holy? To be saved. That's the issue. I mean, your whole thing about uh, misreading the verse on enduring to the end to be saved. You're literally saying people must do this lifestyle to be saved, which that's not what the verse is teaching. Again, I've already talked about that. But yes, you do teach a works based salvation. I mean, you ask Marcus, hey, if, if someone denies speaking in tongues, <laughs> this uh, this act they're supposed to be doing, which the Bible ever ne actually never says every Christian is going to be doing that. Uh, Marcus says you're a false teacher if you teach that for one. Like, let's say I'm wrong about one save, always save. Let's just say that. 
that they're right, right? You confess out of your mouth, Jesus is God, and no matter what you do, you're going to heaven. That's actually not what's being taught for a majority. Now, again, I understand there are some free grace components, some antinomians who do teach that, but that's not what you're actually being um, rebuked for by like the men of uh, Alan Parr and even uh, uh, Ruslan. These men are not saying, hey, you can live however you want and just, you know, it's all good. <laughs> no, that's that's why I, I prefer the term eternal security over once saved, always saved. But, you know, once if someone defines it and this, yeah, one, I hold a once saved, always saved. But I'm not saying you can live however you want. That person is never saved. But Marcus, this is what Marcus Rogers is strawmaning the majority of his proponents who are coming to him saying he's teaching a workspace salvation, saying pretty much accusing them of antinomianism. You know, so. Very interesting. Right. Let's say that those people are right. Well, cool. Then all the people that I'm talking to, they're still going to go to heaven. They might be trying to, you know, live holy and, and they might be uh, consecrating themselves, setting themselves apart a little bit more. But they're not going to go to hell if I'm wrong. I mean, yes. Yes, they are. Because you're teaching a workspace gospel. Now, here's the flip side. If I'm right and they're wrong, then it's dangerous because you're teaching people that, oh, just confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and that he's Lord and that you're saved. And, you know, you live however you want to live and you'll still be good to go. That is not what's being taught by majority of the people you're criticizing. Again, Marcus Rogers thinks because if you don't affirm tongues, you don't affirm baptism to be saved. If you don't affirm these things to be saved, to uh, justify your uh, yeah, to, to be justified then you're teaching antinomianism. That's dangerous because if that's not true, people are going to hell. And the Bible warns, right? It says they have a form of godliness to deny the power thereof. They don't transform. They're ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah, I, got, I can know. I know one person I'm looking at right now that verse applies to. So I do not believe in once save, always save. I'm not going to dive into that and do a teaching about it right now because I've done many teachings about it right now. But that's a second reason people call me false teacher, because uh, they say I preach a work based salvation. But I don't. All right. <laughs> you just did. Faith through grace. But what is faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith isn't just what people think it is. Oh, I just believe like I believe that these people in the demonic music industry say they believe in God. They say that with their mouth, but the Bible says they, they serve me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So that's not faith. So what Marcus Rogers is arguing is, yeah, you're saved by faith, by grace through faith. But the faith that actually works and goes out and do those things, that's how you're going to be saved. But no, because notice he's saying, well, the, the demonic people who, right, they want to thank God, right? I oppose that too, right? You have the people who say, oh, no, thank you, God, for this. He says, well, uh, or the lips say, right, and but their hearts are far. Yes. That's actual not faith. Faith isn't just lip service, right? And so no one's, well, let me say not no one. I'm not arguing. Many of the people he's actually arguing against, it's not just saying, well, it's just a mere, mere, uh, just repeating some words. Oh, oh, yeah, Jesus, I believe. No, it is of the heart. That is what saves a, a true belief in the heart. And, and let me say this, and a person will walk according to the things of God. But that, right, the things they do, that doesn't save them. It only demonstrates that they have been past tense saved, not not will be. Uh, salvation is experienced right now. Now, yes, there's a consummation of all these things. Hopefully you hear my point. But right now you are justified and you will never, <laughs> you will not be more justified than you are right now. You don't increase in justification. 
Sanctification is increased in, but not justification. You are justified the moment you believe and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians talks about, you know, so. Yeah, faith, if faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then faith is believing the word of God. Yeah, believing. this is why faith without works is dead. When I read the Bible, I'm going to follow and do what it says. Jesus says, you're my disciple if you continue on in my word. Right. So the more that I'm studying and and learning about God and his will and his desires. Right. That's what makes me a disciple. And so I'm going to follow the word, even when it goes against my flesh, even when it goes against my feelings. And that is true faith. Faith isn't just saying, oh, yeah, I believe in God. I would. So I would push back a little bit. Faith is actually God knows if you have faith or not prior to you acting it out. Now, I would say when some when a Christian is obedient, that is the fruit of faith, but that's not faith itself. Faith is the inward trusting, the trusting, the believing in Jesus Christ before you even act. That's faith is already there. You just see the faith demonstrated or, you know, the fruit of it. But you already know this is going to come up. Why people think he's a false teacher is because of the Trump issue. Let's let's just hear it for one more time for us all. All right. Now we're going to get into the juicy stuff, right? And we're going to be done. <laughs> juicy stuff. Um, Trump, right? In what was that, 2015, 2014, I said, God, show me Trump was going to win. God gave me a word. If you build it in this season, I'm going to bless it, right? And obviously, you guys can see I've got a whole school in Chicago. I'm out of the army. God. So what Marcus wants to do is ship the he wants to ship the focus of the prophecy to God blessing him. Right. If you build it in the season. Right. Pretty much God will bless you. He's like, well, see, see, look at all this stuff around. This is what you call a deflection. This is what you call a red herring. You're actually shifting the focus from the prophecy that you got wrong. And it's like, well, see, look, yeah, yeah, I prophesied Trump, but look at all this stuff I got. As if that has ever been the fruit of uh, God's favor. Backed me up. Everything that I've built, he's blessed. I just keep growing. I keep going up. You know, th th we're not going to go down because that's the word that God gave me. Now, I always think it's funny when Marcus, so Marcus Rogers will use that as proof of his ministry. But if he doesn't like you and you're famous, you're popular, he'll use that as proof of why you've gone astray. <laughs> Just the, the, the contrast is amazing, you know. And so when I said, you know, God showed me Trump was going to win. First of all, I've never claimed to be a prophet or anything like that. I it doesn't matter. You were prophesying. You don't have to go around calling yourself a prophet, prophet. I'm prophet Marcus Rogers to be a prophet. You're claiming that God told you something. You're, 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 you're speaking prophetically. And so like, he wants to he wants to get the charge off of him because he's like, well, I, I can't be a false prophet because I never said I was a prophet. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's like saying again, that, that that's just ridiculous. I mean, you all think of all the ways that doesn't line up. Right. Uh, man, you know, just in prayer. And I say, yo, I feel like God told me Trump's going to win. Phil, and he's Phil. telling me if we build it in this season, he's going to bless it. Right. And. I started building and he's blessed it. Right? Despite your false problem. I mean, he just jumps over that part. I mean, just like, yeah, I mean, God blessed it. So I guess he's he's good with us. He as he's almost like, well, even though I got the prophecy wrong. I, yeah, I mean, I got it wrong, but God blessed me. So that's showing kind of approval and favor of what he said. So it's it's ridiculous.
Now, I remember a few uh, months ago, maybe a month or so ago, I, I gave a video and I said, if Trump wins uh, the 2024 election, I was like, I'm going to guarantee that he's going to say, see, I told you he was going to win, <laughs> which it was very clear. He was talking about the uh, 2024 election that got that. Sorry, that Trump was going to win. Uh, but he's going to mention that here in a second. So let's let's play that one. Now, here's the thing. When I said he was going to win, people mocked me. They were like, bro, you're crazy. Remember, they were like, there's no way Trump's winning. And he won. He's talking about the 2016 election. He was making videos saying Trump was going to win. This is why I say Christians are fickle. This is why I don't listen to a lot of people, because when I got it right, nobody came and say, hey, bro, you was right. I apologize. Congratulations, Marcus. You got a one out of two chance of being right or wrong. Congratulations. What do you want a cookie? I mean, so what? <laughs> You still was guessing on your feelings. So guess what? The same basis of why you were right is the same basis of why you were wrong. So, I mean, kudos, I guess. I mean, <laughs> nobody made videos like, oh, man, Marcus Rogers told us this was going to happen. Same thing with Maverick City. Marcus Rogers told us this was going to happen. So notice when he got it right, he wanted everybody to validate him. See, I am. A, I'm a man of God. Right. Nobody. Nobody made the apology videos. But when he got it wrong. Well, you know, sometimes we get it wrong. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he you want the same. You want to, you got to get that same energy, man. A lot of these Christians is ducking the smoke. I want all the smoke. Do you? You want all the smoke, sir? Same thing with the LGBTQ stuff. Many, many years ago, I've been talking about this when Obama was president. They, they never come back and say, yo, Marcus was right. They never say anything when you get it right. They only say something when you get it wrong. So then I'm yeah, because I mean, there's this Bible verse about, you know, someone getting prophecy wrong. You know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Deuteronomy 18. Yeah. Getting prophecy wrong is a huge deal. You know what? You guys are fake because you only <laughs> speak up if, you, you know, hey, he missed it. And we all make mistakes. Yeah, no, I, I, no, we don't all don't make that mistake. That's a that, that is a that's a huge one, and, and you haven't really apologized for it. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes we get it wrong. Yeah, the Bible says if you prophesy falsely, you're a false prophet. This is I, I I've never prophesied falsely. Well, that's you know my my view of prophecy <laughs> doesn't allow me to even make prophecies like that, right? Uh, so no, not all of us have made false prophecy. And, and notice how he calls it. You know, we all make mistakes, dude. That's a grave sin. It is it is blasphemy against God. I would argue because you're 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 lying on the behalf of God. So it's not just some mistake. You know, me hitting a, a counter and the vase falling over. That's a mistake. Me sinning a grave sin against the Holy One of God. That is that is that is not a, just a mistake. That is that is grave sin. Right. The example I always use just just a quick commercial. Watch this example. This is he's kind of going to admit the point I'm making. Never heard me talk about this. Isaiah goes to Hezekiah. Now, this wasn't a mistake, but this is where you can see prophecy is conditional. I yeah. So already you've given. The qualifier, there is such thing as a, a conditional prophecy. But Marcus, you didn't give a conditional. You didn't say uh, Donald Trump will win if this happens. You said God told you as clear as day. I remember you walking in the woods looking crazy with the light shining down on your forehead. God told me, showed me, I feel like Trump is going to win, right? If you're building in a season, God will come, right? You did, you did a whole little shebang. And then the next day you were looking confused as a why you messed it. So don't give the whole conditional prophecy now 
uh, years after the fact, <laughs> you're trying to think of reasons for why I was wrong. There goes to Hezekiah. He says, the Lord told me you're going to die, you know, prepare to die. Hezekiah, you know, the, because of how he reacts, then God comes and gives Isaiah a new word. It says, hey, tell Hezekiah, I'm going to add 15 years on to his life. I think it was 15, 15 or 10. But the point is, was the, the word that Isaiah initially gave false? Was he a false prophet because Hezekiah didn't die like he said he was going to die? Notice Marcus Rogers trying to drag the uh, the Isaiah, a true prophet, under the bus with him to justify why he was wrong. When he's already said it was a conditional prophecy before Isaiah, which I agree with. But the point is, he's trying to drag Isaiah along with him in his false prophethoodness. No, because some prophecy can be conditional. So we come to the second election. And what am I saying? I put the receipts. If you want to go see, you can type my name. You'll see I took all the old videos from 2016, 2017. Yeah, and I watched that. And none of that actually took out of the another. It didn't change the point that you made a prophecy about Trump. I mean, th that's clear as day. I said, look, I, I believe Trump's going to win because of the word that God gave me because I'm not done building. I wasn't in this building yet. Right. Everything that God showed me he was going to do in my life, we wasn't there yet. Like, I'm still building. And so God was showing me, like, hey, the kingdom better get ready for what is going to come. Like, we got to build. We have to have kingdom infrastructure. We have to have, you know, uh, kingdom, kingdom banks, King, kingdom, kingdom everything. schools, kingdom entertainment, because the world is going to get worse and worse. And so God's trying to give us a chance to prepare, to build, to shake us out of our complacency. So in my mind... I'm like, well, I'm not done building. So I guess, you know, Trump's going to win again. That's the problem. You made a prophecy in your mind, right? It, it, it was all, it, it, this is all it was in your head. You know, this was just. It's just my imagination. Running away with me. Just your imagination, Marcus. I'm glad you admitted that. But it still was a false prophecy. That's what I felt based off of that word. Felt. But when you see people talk about it on the Internet or you hear people talk about me, they never say that part. Right. They just say, oh, God, he said that Trump was going to win. The they, they never say the, the context of it. And the context matters. Now, here's <laughs> so he said the context about your little building thing. No, that's yeah, That's irrelevant. I, I don't care if you said that part and you got that right. You got the other part wrong. I don't that doesn't mean that doesn't mean, oh, well, part of it came true. So there's some context you need to add the thing. People feel whatever they feel. I did say, you know, it's on video. I said, I believe that he's going to win two times. I said that. Watch this. Watch this. So if he gets in there this time, guess what? Nobody's going to apologize, even though nobody. Because <laughs> you prophesied, you said it was going to happen in 2020. So you, you don't look if I say, hey, look, man, um. Hey, uh, you know, Biden is going to win back to back. He doesn't get in this time, but he wins the next one. That's a false prophecy. Just because you eventually get something right doesn't mean it's not wrong at the time you make it. it <laughs> you know, you're going to die this year. Well, eventually you die. So I guess I was still right. <laughs> That's not how it works, man. You know, thought about like him getting once it was done and he got out. Nobody's thinking like, oh, yeah, this man will get in again, especially with everything that's going on. So if he does get in, hey, cool. If he doesn't, oh, well, cool. You know what I'm saying? Because I already know how it's going to go. People just like, oh, you know, well, he's still a false prophet. Yeah, that's cool. right. Fine. At the end of the day, you want to say I made a mistake. Hey, that's fine. That's why we have grace. All right. I'm not saying you made a mistake. I'm saying you sinned against God. It's false prophecy. This is not a mistake. You know, I just I tripped over my shoelaces. Just a mistake. Ah, uh, well, 
again, hopefully this was a good teachable moment. Hopefully you learned something. And just again, there's repeated nonsense like this going on. But, you know, again, I, I make these videos because there are people who actually believe Marcus is a Trinitarian. There's nothing wrong with his beliefs. He's just maybe got some little stuff off, but he has some major doctrinal issues that he has going on again i know there are people beat people in the video that yeah i'm doing this for clicks i'm doing it for views again i've been doing this long before i knew of a who of a marcus rogers was and so again my concern is for those who are following uh the nonsense that marcus rogers spews and so again hopefully it was helpful hopefully you enjoyed it y'all know how we do here at all things theology till the next time grace and peace Yo, grace and peace. Thank you for watching another episode of All Things Theology. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go on and give me a like. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. I promise to give you weekly lives, videos, interactions, exposing false teachers, sharing with you, the viewer, my theological beliefs, things about the culture and the Bible. So if you're here for that, come on and join us. Also, if you would like to support this channel financially, you can do so by becoming a Patreon member or a YouTube member. Links are in the description below. You can see content before it drops. You can also have Q&A sessions with also other Patreon members, YouTube members as well. So if you would like that, hit the description link in below.